Welcome to What Do You Need to Know About God in Today's World? Today, I want to discuss with you what you need to know about God and racial equity or inequality. Our country has progressed immensely in the areas of racial integration, relationships, and socioeconomic opportunities for blacks and all minorities. But over the last eight years or so, progressives have continually accused America of being systemically racist, while conservatives believe that most Americans are not racist but are decent, tolerant, hardworking people, and that anti-discrimination laws have effectively prevailed throughout our institutions to help root out the traces of racism, and that our country offers the best ideals to afford a productive, successful life to every human on the planet. Yet currently, it's this progressive view of a systemically racist America that has prompted the Biden administration to write an executive order addressing racial equity. Now, equity is different from equality. Equality demands that everyone receive the same opportunities or treatment. Equity demands that you accommodate one group based on some type of disadvantage or shortcoming to bring them to an equal standing. Now, having equality and equity in a nation is a positive thing, but as we address these issues of racial disparity, we must be astute in the methods that we use, else we could do more harm than good. You see, to achieve equality, you establish and enact laws based on the recognition that we are all human beings and deserve to be treated equally and provided equal opportunities. But equity requires you to take into account one's identity features such as race, ethnicity, gender, etc., to uplift them to an equal standing. But in so doing, you give an advantage to one group over another. And equity is good in some settings, especially education, because there the focus is on some type of disability of a student and not on an identifying physical characteristic. But when you address equity in the broader society, it requires you to divide people into separate categories based on their identifying feature to determine a shortcoming to give that group some type of preferential treatment over all other groups, and therein lies several problems with equity. First of all, the group you're attempting to accommodate and elevate, you actually position them in a victimized role, intimating to them that they cannot rise above their circumstances to enable them to succeed without government assistance. They therefore take on this victim mentality and to some extent never really pursue their full potential because they're waiting for government handout to assist them. You see, it's one thing to invest in opportunities in minority neighborhoods to make it equal to that of the predominant culture. That's equality. But it's a whole different thing to set aside opportunities strictly for minorities over and above every other group, which is equity. Because that's a move which makes that minority group completely relying on the government and handicaps their own creativity, self-discovery, and self-effort to propel themselves to achieve their goals, which is likely to produce a more probable gain without making them hostage as victims. But another problem with focusing on equity is that by giving preferential treatment to one group, you have to eliminate all other groups and it becomes a type of discrimination, which only causes tension and disharmony. This preferential treatment then actually fractures rather than bolsters relations. So, you are not helping to solve racial problems when you address equity in this fashion. Instead, you're exacerbating it. Hence, 
It is far more beneficial to level a playing field by pursuing equality rather than equity because it doesn't require separating people into groups for preferential treatment, causing discrimination, tension, and relational breakdowns. So we have to ask, why are Democrats on the left pushing for racial equity and lauding this new executive order when they realize it's more likely to create problems than solve them? We'll discuss that and then we'll discuss what's God's view on this matter of racial equality and equity. The first reason progressives are pursuing these racial equity policies is that they lack true morality and have defamed morality by adopting causes. And they have perfected this fame morality into an art. You see, they take an issue of cause, magnify it way out of proportion to a crisis, and then pretend to solve it to show that they care about the needs of the people. When in reality, it's all a virtue signaling fabricated crisis. The current crisis they've manufactured is that of supposed systemic racism. For the past eight years or so, progressives have made this fictional narrative of systemic racism the center of ordinary people's lives every day for years. I have to tell you, I grew up in the Jim Crow era and I have never heard the words KKK, racist, white supremacist, white nationalist, white extremism circulating more in our society today than in the last decade. And it's culminated to the point of making you believe white supremacy is the greatest threat to our nation. And we need to destroy this domestic terrorism over and above that of even foreign terrorism. And not surprisingly, according to these progressive politicians in the media, the people who fall under these categories are all conservatives and Trump supporters and affiliates. You see, this created crisis of systemic racism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism all converge as a ploy by progressives to use as a weapon to destroy their opponents. But they never make this charge against any in their own camp. But just challenge them and ask them to substantiate this charge and provide concrete evidence of this everyday pervasive spread of white supremacy activity and terrorism. But they can't. They might point to a couple of incidences or point out a few white groups who have confronted some leftist organizations and whom they say plot terror online. Or they might even mischaracterize what happened at the Capitol as white extremism rather than a riot of some disgruntled citizens over what they believe was a stolen election. But that's it. On the other hand, the true domestic terror activities today of Antifa and BLM, who also plot online, is occurring openly and regularly in some cities and is blatantly ignored by progressives and the media. So yes, the hyperbole and hysteria about systemic racism and white supremacy is not about a real problem. It's all about creating this facade and regurgitating it over and over to convince you that it's real. And progressives will then proceed to pretend to solve it right after they use it to bring their full weight down to neutralize their opponent and fill some empty void in their moral chasm to make them feel good about themselves. All while making you think that they are the bearers of righteousness who care about you. But these people are masters at whipping the public into a frenzy over their created crisis whether white supremacy, climate change, QAnon, conspiracy theories, or need for truth czars. And their manipulation knows no bounds as they come up with the endless crisis to solve and to twist to their own ideological ends, 
even if it means creating an unhealthy, destructive atmosphere in the country. Now, another reason progressives create false crisis is to acquire and maintain complete power and control in government. These people are career politicians who want to govern us, not according to what we the people think is good, but according to what they think is good for the country, because they believe they know best. So they govern and dictate with this elitist mentality, trying to impose their will on all of society while not allowing for dissent or even conversations about issues. And that's a true indication that they are all about power. Another tools they use is identity politics and favor the goal of equity over equality because this allows them to separate people into groups and make promises to them in exchange for votes and an allegiance to them to keep them in office. And this symbiotic cyclical process of gaining recurrent votes is progressive's ultimate goal. Even this new executive order on racial equity is primarily about votes to keep them in power and office, even though it won't significantly improve the conditions of minorities. You see, they've tried these same tactics for decades with marginal impact on the economic and social conditions of blacks and minorities. And the majority of these neighborhoods are still resource depleted and blighted. And even if this order relegates contracts to minority businesses, those contracts will be laden with so much bureaucracy and regulations that it hampers your productivity. So it's another type of welfare that puts government and its bureaucracy in control of your outcome versus you and your own ingenuity. Additionally, this order will inadvertently cause inequity because the mandated sensitivity training dehumanizes whites by forcing them to feel guilty and apologetic about their privileged position. So as it tries to elevate the esteem of one group, it damages the esteem of another. So since the training is not based on mutual respect for each group, it will harm racial relations. Therefore, for all of their waxing eloquent about racial equity in this order, it won't improve race relations, nor will it significantly improve the conditions of minorities. It's just one more attempt to cement minority commitment and votes to keep them in the majority and to attain a one-party control that they might laud totalitarian rule over every aspect of all of our lives, all the way down to what we say and believe. So you can continue to fall for the illusion that they are making you a priority and tackling the most pressing issue of a non-existent systemic racism, or you can awaken to the fact that to them, as a minority, you are merely a vote to keep them in office in perpetuity so they can continue to push their radical agenda on all of us. This leads us to the third reason why Democrats and progressives create false problems to solve, which is the remedy they propose will always involve big government, which requires massive financing. You see, this executive board mandates that all government agencies institute and comply with every policy. Therefore, all existing agencies and any auxiliary agencies or programs which need to be created have to be funded. So while someone in government will make huge profits from these enterprises, we the taxpayers will subsidize all of these excesses through higher taxes. That's why conservatives prefer limited government because it's more efficient, less intrusive, and less of a burden financially to the people. 
while progressives prefer big government, which provides them more power, intrusion, and control over the people and ways to extract more money from taxpayers to enrich themselves. It's a well-known fact that many of these government officials go in of moderate means and come out wealthy. So for all of the reasons that progressives throw you these red herrings and created crisis and then pretend to solve them, the tragedy is, as they seek power and control, their agenda is always elevated above the real problems people face. If you ask the average citizen, they would tell you systemic racism and climate change are not their primary problem. Their real problems are neglected and go unaddressed by the media and the government. That's why there are never reports on the increase of gang violence, crime, killing of our young children in minority neighborhoods, the drug epidemic, the human sex trafficking prevalent in our culture, the poor quality of education our children receive while progressives indoctrinate them in non-traditional, unorthodox sexual ideologies and revisionist history, people losing their jobs and small businesses declining, the middle class disappearing, inflation, lax border security, the disintegration of families, and inept and inefficient government engaging in vindictive and punitive politics, overspending and wastefulness, and politicians who use governmental agencies to attack, imprison, and wage war against ordinary citizens who oppose them, while ignoring our real enemies abroad who are trying to wage nuclear and biological warfare against us all. And moreover, the problem of ordinary citizens being punished for their crimes, while politicians and elites are rarely punished for their corruption and crime. These are the real problems that need to be reported and addressed in our culture and world instead of manufactured superficial crises and pet projects of the left. So I believe it's time that we demand better out of our government and our media and see what role we can play to bring this country and world out of this dysfunctional status into a place of success rather than continuing to spiral out of control. Now let's look at equity and equality from God's perspective, which is basically the same. Forego equity and focus on equality. You see, laws and policies can help in ameliorating discrimination, but no policy or law will ever eliminate racism because racism is a sin problem of the heart that can't just be legislated away. Only Christ can turn a racist heart of hate to a heart of love towards every man regardless of their race. So our initial step is praying for every man to receive the heart of God. Next, we need to recognize that God created us all equally and equality among the races is a God-given, unalienable right. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, gender, race, ethnicity, etc. doesn't matter in God's eyes because we are all created beings made in Yahweh God's image as part of the human race and we all deserve equal treatment, whether from another individual or by the government. So this impulse toward racial superiority is not of God, and we must continue to root it out by seeking equality and not equity, because equity requires us to separate people in the categories and subtract from one to give to another, which only causes division 
and erodes race relations. Only by focusing on equality do you lift all boats without harming relationships. Third, recognize that God made every race distinct with their own unique features and culture to its own specifications. So we need to get rid of all of our preconceived notions about other races and look at our differences, not to establish a status of superiority, but to recognize that our differences complement each other and that our combined contributions work together to enhance and make our society great and to the betterment of the whole of humanity. Our worldwide contributions do not just derive from one race, but span the racial spectrum. And each culture has a rich heritage, an array of values, beliefs, languages, and lifestyles that we all adopt and incorporate in some form into our own daily lives. So thank God for the diversity because we are all the better for it. And when we recognize that every race and person is valuable and an asset and learn to appreciate and mutually respect and advocate for each other, regardless of our race, then we are on the way to ridding the world and our government institutions of all racism. Next, we need to recognize that God wants us all to be proud of our race. Being proud means that you are comfortable being who Yahweh God created you to be, and you recognize your significance as a human being as well as the significance of those of other races. You see, it's okay to take pride in your race, but not at the expense of marginalizing other races. No race should ever be made to feel inferior, not even the predominant white race. God wants us all to see with his eyes and become truly colorblind and see only the human race and people whom God created for himself who are to be treated with love, respect, dignity, and equality. So, Finally, for he who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Racism is a destructive force trying to destroy what God has created. But God is a loving God who cares deeply for us all and wants us to extend that same care and love toward our fellow man regardless of their race. So Yeshua, let every man pray and seek your Holy Spirit who will wash and cleanse their heart of all hate and every sin and penetrate their innermost being such that they take on a new attitude, persona, and behavior. Lord, let your spirit of wisdom and love guide our homes, government, nation, and world that we may achieve true equality, racial harmony, and unity by the indomitable power of Jesus Christ. Amen.